0: Couch Chats is a series of real, open, honest, and raw chats with some inspiring friends and women I have had the privilege to meet along my entrepreneurial journey. So I wanted to share these casual interview chats with you all to leave you feeling empowered and inspired. I am your host, Jess Williamson, a serial entrepreneur and business coach, and today I am So, so excited to have Sarah Davidson joining me on the couch today. She is the founder of Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar in Melbourne, But also the founder of one of my favorite podcasts, Seize the Yay, and just an all-round amazing human being. If you don't follow her on social media, make sure you jump over to her Instagram, Spoonful of Sarah, where she keeps it real, sharing bloops and behind the scenes and being super down to earth. And I think you guys will hear that in today's chat, which is why I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. And I hope you love this chat as much as I do. We have Sarah joining us all the way from Melbourne, and I am just so excited to have you on today. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, lovely. It's so nice to like see people's faces. <laughs> I know, I'm sure you guys are unfortunately back in lockdown in Melbourne. Um, and you'll be glad to know the sun is shining here in Perth. It's a beautiful day, but I don't want to rub it in too much. But, it's yeah, just so I'm here hard. in the office anyway. <laughs> without vitamin
1: D, I feel like you actually, um, it's hu- yesterday, so major overshare, but had my period yesterday, it was grey, and it's just without sunshine and being outside. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: I'm better today. Oh, good. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. For those, I'm sure plenty of these people tuning in know who you are. I did a brief intro at the start, but you are the founder of Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. But what I really want to go into today is diving deeper into your personal branding journey because you've been able to create such an amazing Brand around just being you. And I love how authentic you always are. You keep it real with your bloops on your Instagram and just, it's amazing. I had the honor of meeting you twice now in Melbourne. And honestly, if for those that haven't got the pleasure of meeting you, you're just exactly who you are online, in person, everywhere. So I think that is just such an amazing thing to look up to because you have had such huge success in business and your personal brand as well. But you keep it so real. So I wanna maybe touch on that first. How, you know, is this a conscious effort that you make to think, oh my gosh, I better keep it real today or is it just something that comes really natural to you?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I think um, coming from a corporate background where social media and digital identities weren't actually a thing, I think that actually helped me when I did start to move into business and the Instagram world and then building a personal profile almost by accident through just having a business and and starting to be asked to talk about it. Because it didn't begin on purpose, I think it was a lot more easy to stick to just how I felt and how I was and exactly what I was thinking anyway. Because in the beginning, I didn't actually know it was becoming something so it started from me literally just sharing what I was doing the background of the business and I started talking about sort of the less glamorous and less glossy bits because it was the only place I could talk about it because I couldn't put that on on the business page so it started in a really natural way which I think made it from the beginning easier to do that but then also I was a little bit just on a personal level a, a little bit uncomfortable Um, when I would start to post only really highlight related things, you know, we'd get to go to a lot of events before isolation. Um, We were getting wonderful, wonderful opportunities through the business. And I would start to feel a little niggle if i posted too many things in a row that were very polished and very glossy because so much of the reality in the beginning was in the warehouse, packing matcha, paper cuts from boxes. Like we were just so unglamorous, ninety percent of the time that it it has always come naturally for me to be myself because that was the only way I knew really how to use the platform, um, and because I would just naturally get a bit of discomfort when I would portray anything else. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, people often say things like, "Oh, you share so openly, you're so relatable," which is, I love to hear that, but I'm also like, I would actually find it more difficult to be any other way. Mm-hmm. Like, I would find that takes. Social media already takes a lot of energy to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. So to be doing all that effort and putting on a different you, um, it would just be too hard for me. <laughs> like I'm a terrible liar in life because I forget yeah. what I said the first time. And I think <laughs> I would carry that, carry that into my social media as well. Um, and yeah, now but now it's become something I'm sort of um, known for. Now I feel like... I've created a platform where I do present myself as showing all the bits. So when I don't, I feel like I'm not being responsible with it as well. Mm. I'm like, I'm, I put it out there that this is what I'm doing. So if I don't share all the bits, I'm not living up to that as well. So mm. yeah, it's been a
0: bit of a weird cycle, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I can definitely relate about the, it's hard to put on that polished face all the time. I mean, I say some things, you know, when I'm doing speaking things or just in podcasts and I'm like, Oh, should I have said that? But in the end, you know, it's the truth. So <laughs> I can't help it, but just say what comes to my mind. And maybe i let people know a bit too much info, but that's also what's helped me, you know, with my coaching clients and things I tell them everything. I don't hide the numbers and I don't hide the bad times and the good times that, you know, it's, it's just an open book. So I love that about you as well, um, that you're so open to helping people and motivating people and spreading the yay with everyone. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> I also um, think um, everyone has a different approach and a different, like you mentioned before we started recording that personal brand is a big thing and it is a big part of business. It is a big part of the digital landscape these days. And I don't think that people who don't show all the real bits are lying. They're not Mm. necessarily hiding that. For some people, it is their personal brand to be really polished with impeccable photography and beautiful uh, coordinated colors. Like that is how some people love to use the platform. And I think it's all about making yourself comfortable with how you use the platform. What makes it easy for you to integrate that into your life and what feels the best for you? And for some people, they would feel like it was an overshare to share some of the things that I share. People have different views on privacy as well. So I definitely don't mean that everyone who's not Mm. being relatable about their periods is hiding things. I think we (laughs) just all
0: have a different level of relationship with social media. Definitely. And so in that aspect, obviously you started your matcha journey, mostly through Instagram. And how did you transition that into building your personal profile? Did you start them both at the same time and just think I need a personal profile or yeah. How did, how did you start to build your personal profile on social media? Because is that sort of the first place where you started getting some traction personally?
1: Yeah, I think it's, started as I mentioned more by accident. So I had my personal account for years before we started the business and that was I mean, I used it just how people who don't really use it use it. Like I would just <laughs> yeah. every now and then post something. I'd use it for the filters and then post that on yeah. Facebook instead. <laughs> and um When we started the business, we started the business page and all my energy went into that to making sure that we were posting back in those days when uh, we were posting, I think, eight times a day or something at the beginning. Like, I mean, now that wouldn't even get you any traction, but then it was a really important part of it. So a lot of energy and time went into building that audience and that brand voice. And I would say that page grew really quickly over the first year to 18 months. And my personal page was just where I'd put all the photos that were from my personal life, which at Mm -hmm. the time, it was all work anyway. I was still working both jobs, so it was very uh, inactive. And it was only once the startup community started to really ramp up and profile people who had started businesses on Instagram or who had started businesses from a gap in the market and the accidental entrepreneurs kind of who had left their jobs without planning to, it was through those stories where I would initially share the article that came out or the feature on the Matcha page. But then more and more, I'd get into stuff where I didn't feel like it was appropriate to share it on the business page. So, Mm. you know, because I would share the mistakes or I'd share the financial, (laughs) like, sort of screw-ups or I'd share the stuff that, you know, I wanted other business People to know that it doesn't all happen overnight. And, you know, I just felt like sharing that stuff is what makes the whole journey relatable and what actually makes other people believe they can do it. Because I found that when I was starting, hearing that other people had messed up as well made me feel a lot better about myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so it was more by just the overspill of stuff from the business page that became more and more personal about our experience rather than about the product that mm. I thought, oh, okay, well, this all has to live somewhere that's not the business page. So that I started posting that stuff. Stuff on Spoonful. And then through that, I think through that process, the, uh, relatability kind of aspect started to become more of a thing that people would come to that page for. And then once that started to grow just by itself, then I started to put a little bit more effort into, you know, I'd start to get all the questions that about people starting their businesses or, um, anxiety or all those kinds of things would come through that page. So I started moving more attention to replying to all the comments and DMS and questions. And then over time, it actually ended up that that page got busier because the business page was very transactional and and one dimensional. Whereas mine was suddenly talking about health and burnout and anxiety and mental health and the dog and like the whole, (laughs) uh, yeah, the whole totality of a personality. Um, And that's also where I do feel unconstrained and I can just talk, I can swear, I can like talk about gross things and I can post bloopers and it's not (laughs) off brand. Um, And it, yeah, it all kind of happened by accident. Um, But then once it did start to show a little bit of potential, I was like, I can have more cut through here. And that's where I sort of thought I'll use this to springboard off to start the podcast. And then that became a feed together as well. And um, I also think a lot of people ask that question when they start a business now. They're like, what if I'm not that person who wants mm-hmm. to have a personal profile and I want the product to speak for itself? I think people love the story. It can be enormously mm-hmm. powerful for you to have a personal profile as well. But if you don't enjoy it, then it's a huge distraction. So yeah. again, you just have to find the the recipe that works best for you in your business journey. And some people do enormously well staying behind the scenes. So it just depends yeah. what type of communication you like to have.
0: Yeah. And I think that's super important that you mentioned it is a journey though. Um, I remember when I first started at swimwear, I didn't put my name anywhere, not on the website, anything. I was just like, I'm just going to be the quiet achiever behind the scenes building this up. And over time I realized people were coming and randomly finding my personal instagram somehow you know fans and customers and they would find me and my name was nowhere so i don't know how they did it but i realized people want to know who's behind the brand so even if you're not confident or you don't feel like you should yet and that's something that i talk to a lot of women about is you know just take it step by step if that is something that you're wanting to do You don't have to jump on and do a live first day, you know, just a little thing here and there, just introducing yourself in a post or sharing a little bit of the story. But you don't always have to go out there and share everything about your daily life. And even for me now, I share bits and then I'll go weeks without sharing anything because, you know, life and business and things come up. But I think you do such a great job of sharing your personal life without, you know, having to share too much. I feel like you've got a few of the key things, but you're not sharing, you know, if you've had a s- sad day just in general, or, you know, you don't have to share everything. There's some key things that make you really personable, such as sharing about Paul and your, your relationship and your business and all these fun things. But, you don't have to share every minute of every day you're not showing hey guys i'm going to the toilet right now give me five minutes you know <laughs> it's, there there is a portion of that that is really personal but you don't have to share literally everything about your life if there's areas that you don't want to share for me i don't really share much about my family and my partner because when i'm with them i'm with them so that's just choice that I've kind of made so yeah I think everyone does it differently and it's awesome that you said that you know people can decide to do it or they don't have to and like me I started out not wanting to share it myself anywhere and then I've grown and and now I'm sharing a bit more so
1: yeah you you control the dialogue as well like Mm -hmm. you I think people get really scared that if they start sharing some things they'll open the floodgates but they can only see what you film or what you capture so if you Mm -hmm. don't want to share certain things as a rule just don't and you're no one else can force you to do that yeah you're really strong about where your boundaries are you can have exactly the relationship um, and identity that you want you Mm -hmm. control it
0: Definitely. No, that's awesome. So the next thing I want to go into is, so you started building your Instagram profile. How then did that lead to all the speaking gigs that you did and and all of the other things that sort of come from it? So if you can maybe take us through that journey and how that's opened up more doors for you or whether people just contacted you through Matcha or whether they found you through your own Instagram. Yeah, I'd love to know. Yeah, I think
1: it was similar to the personal profile generally that it started from Matcha and it started through that account and that email address and that identity of we want to hear from the person behind the brand, particularly in that sort of 2016, 2017 period where we were very first in the market to really push Matcha as a cool product. If they wanted a story on Matcha, there wasn't actually anyone else who would, had founded a business like that. Like it was a really fortunate timing with a good idea where we were the only people to ask So for that you know, yeah. two-year period. So a lot of it came through the business. And then after that, I think it was a combination of reactive and proactive. So a lot of the beginning things came out of the business, but then once I realized how much I enjoyed it, I became a little bit more open-minded to mm. creating more of those. So firstly, yeah. I think one of the big things is every time you do do a speaking gig, doing a really good job, being a pleasure <laughs> to work with, And being really open to feedback and maintaining really good relationships with the people who you did it with, Um, I would say for the next year after that, when I really realised that I wanted to connect with people more face to face, I didn't know I'd been missing that as much as I had Mm. being an online business, having moved from an office to a business online. Um, And so for that whole year, every time something, even a whiff of an opportunity would come up, I'd be like, "I'll do it," and really actively volunteered. I obviously didn't get paid for any of it like you know that whole year was just practice I was just yeah, putting myself out there to get used to a crowd to get used to what I wanted to say how I wanted to say it how, how I responded to Q&A's versus speaking off the bat what 30 minutes felt like what an hour felt like really a lot of um, trying to develop new skills in that area so I could get more opportunities And then after that, I think the more you, you know, a lot of people are sort of like, why aren't I getting those opportunities? And then they're not posting when they do one. So Mm. it's sort of like, how do people know that you're out there? How do they know you're available? So making a big effort at the end of a speaking gig to get a photo and then to post it and say, thank you for having me, blah, whoever it was. So Mm. that people know that you're on sort of on the circuit or that you're available or keen to do it.
0: Um, Yeah. That's an awesome tip. I love that because then people just organically find you and you're not marketing yourself as much, but it puts that idea in people's heads. So yeah.
1: Yeah. You have to create the perception. I think a lot of the time, like people sort of, they know they want to be a speaker and they know they want those opportunities, but, and then they wonder where they are. And it's like, well, there's no yellow pages where people go, (laughs) I need a speaker and you go, I am the speaker. So how do you bridge that gap now? Like Mm. you have to be uh, people, we are on the podcast. (laughs) I often talk about luck. A lot of people say I was really lucky and Mm. I'm always like, yes, luck has a lot to do with a lot of things, but luck has to find you working. It has to find you well positioned. Mm -hmm. Some people would get the same luck as you and not turn it into anything. So Uh it's not the whole picture. And I think if you don't put yourself out there and create the circumstances for the luck to find you it can't so sort of part of it is putting yourself out there part of it is the opportunities finding you but the more you can create that perception that you're a speaker or that you want to speak or that you will and the more you can get experience and like I've had speaking gigs come years later from someone who was in the audience at some free thing that I did for seven people that I never thought anyone uh. <laughs> would come out of you know you just have to don't close off any opportunity when you're a newbie and, um, it's taken, like, now I get in- some incredible, incredible opportunities, but I didn't get that without five years of doing mm-hmm. free ones. Some were terrible. Some were like, I never I hope I never see any of those people again oh. or that they never write <laughs> me a testimonial. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've had terrible yeah. ones. I've had ones where I had a panic attack on stage. Like, I've had all the spectrum of experiences and, um,
0: But you can definitely create
1: that for yourself. Yeah. You you can sort of put it out there.
0: There's a huge lesson in that just for anything in general. And that is sticking at it because it's not going to happen overnight. You know, you're not going to be a professional speaker getting paid overnight. But like you said, five plus years of doing a ton of free ones, having a few failures or, or, you know, not so great experiences. And then you know, you work your way up to that. But a lot of people do it for a short time, think it's not working, and then they'll move and try something else. But I think if you decide that that's something that you want, then you've got to keep consistently working towards that, even when it is tough, even when it is challenging or scary. If that's what you really want, it it just takes time, really, and persistence. And I
1: still very regularly do like huge gigs for free because of the opportunity (laughs) that it presents when someone doesn't have a budget, but it's an opportunity where you're like, I've never spoken to that many people. Imagine Mm. the people I would meet. Imagine the learning opportunity for me to grow and figure out how to deal with the nerves on that scale. You know, I still, there's still, there's a personal development opportunity in everything. Mm -hmm. And I think um, very, very few, and especially in this climate, very few people become full-time professional speakers. It's Mm. a very niche, um, niche career. But if it's just something on the side to supplement, then take everything that you can get, you know, do all the free opportunities because things come out of it that you could never, it's, it's a form of marketing and development that you will never probably get Direct benefits mm. from straight away, but over years, things will come from opportunities that you're like, well I did not know you were in the audience four years ago, and that now you're you that person's been
0: promoted three times since then, so now they're in control of decisions. You know, it just it's yeah, all it definitely. all comes back to you, and I mean, just the feeling of giving back and sharing your knowledge must be just such an amazing feeling just to see the inspiration in others and to, you know, have people probably message you and say, Oh my gosh, I heard you speak. And that inspired me to take action on this. I mean, that's something you just can't buy.
1: Absolutely. And I think, um, remembering like for all of us, you know, you remember when you first started, you remember how like kind of lost and impressionable and naive you were, but also how much you just you want help, like you want to know where to go, you want reassurance and I just kind of think what did I need to hear then that wasn't as available then because, we, you know, it was a different climate then and that's what I try and create now because there's nothing actually more rewarding than knowing you played even a tiny 1% um, role in someone's journey to making Mm -hmm. their life better in some way or someone else's life, to making someone else's life better, like... (laughs) I don't actually think there's anything more rewarding than that. And whereas another topic we talk about a lot on the podcast is people's conception of success and what that means. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, my husband, for example, and I think this is a male thing as a mass generalization he's very metric measurement-based. So success is a very financial thing for him mm-hmm. and he finds it very hard to detach from that sense of measurement. If he doesn't have that, then all the other things kind of fall a little bit out of, out of um, view. But for me, financials is one way to measure something, but I actually get way more fulfilment from impact and so the more impact I'm creating in other people's lives, that's when I'm like, oh, my God, that was worth doing. Like I've actually yeah. made a difference. And the monetary thing, like I, if I get got nothing, I mean, most of the podcasts I do for free, but it, I mean, not for free. I mean, it's for myself. So it's <laughs> – but you know what I mean. Like there's no yeah, financial yeah. incentive, but that creates way more fulfillment and satisfaction for me than something I might do
0: that, you know, pays a lot of money but doesn't hit – here. Mm, yeah no that's so important now you mentioned the podcast so I'd love to jump into that um, and I heard your interview with Genevieve Day or your, your manager um, all about you know how that idea came about so I'd love for you to share a bit of you know how did you go from Instagram and doing some speaking gigs to deciding I want to do this podcast and and what your idea was behind that
1: Yeah, gosh, it wasn't that long ago, but it also feels like a lifetime ago. So (laughs) I think I went from sort of stepping out of law, moving into business. I really thought I'd stepped out of my comfort zone, patted myself on the back and was like, I never have to evolve again. Like I'm so enlightened now. Like I found my thing and I, (laughs) you know, I'm going to live in matchmaking forever. But another thing I, I already knew and I would say in speaking gigs, but hadn't applied it quite myself was that. You have to step out of your comfort zone, but it catches up with you. So actually every few years or it may be shorter or longer for different people, you'll grow out of the thing that you that once seemed so scary because you learn and you you mm-hmm. develop and you learn lessons and you, you become more skilled. And so I was sort of four years into Matcha Maiden, and I hadn't won business or anything. Like I definitely have way more to learn, but I reached a sort of point where I felt that, certain parts of that business had, uh, it had outgrown me, I had outgrown it, and I was losing that intimate connection with people again, because I was going so far back of house, so far bird's eye view, and losing Mm -hmm. that, you know, intimate customer relations. So I was like, what is a, a platform that's going to allow me to talk longer for, to people, to have great conversations and to bring to the surface and to the forefront of our attentions, all the stuff that's getting a lot of traction on my personal page about the bloopers and the anxiety and the ups and downs, the roller coasters, feeling lost, finding direction, the non-linear nature of finding your yay. People on Instagram have sort of a 30 second max attention mm-hmm. span, but I know people want to hear more about that I want to talk about it more. I know lots of people who would talk openly about it. Where do I put those conversations? So it was sort of a reverse engineering, like there's a new gap in my fulfillment or in my day-to-day. The most logical thing to fill that is some kind of platform that involves talking. I don't know anything about podcasts, but that sounds like it could be the right one. And another thing that happened to me when I sort of went through all that unlearning from corporate of being really risk averse, needing a five-year plan to going the opposite way of having not a five-minute plan and being super spontaneous, just rip the Band-Aid and start, it meant that I did one new start with Matcha Maiden, another new start with Matcha Milk Bar, and by the time I got to the podcast, I was just like, (laughs) I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm fine. Like, I'll wing it. (laughs) I'll be absolutely – I'll just Google that shit. I'll be fine. And that's what I did. I just – Amazing. Man, Googled it, figured it out along the way. The first time I edited was the first time I edited. Like, I just did it kind of as I went. And um, in that process, I had already been, I joined Jen's agency maybe a year before that, I think, when the speaking gigs had become frequent enough that I had a lot of admin to do that was sort of distracting me from how intense mm-hmm. Matcha was. It meant I was saying no to a lot of things that I probably could have done, but just because of the admin side of it. And I am also terrible at valuing myself, like extraordinary terrible, (laughs) extraordinarily terrible. So I'll Uh, say I would do everything for free, like everything I would do. I'd be like, sure, I'll do that for a banana cake. Like, (laughs) sure, you can pay me in like chocolate. Like, And I think it got to the point where I knew that I was never going to be capable of negotiating on my own behalf. So Jen um, has been absolutely incredible for our careers. And then when the podcast came about, Uh, again, it was meant to be a side hobby that was just purely for play and joy and pleasure. But reactively, we had some of the brands I already worked with ask if there were sponsorship deals. And then Mm. Jen and I were like, Absolutely. There are quickly. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) that's always the best way, though, you know, reverse engineer and and come up with it later. You know, there's no point having all these sponsorship deals and having everything perfect. And and then there's no sponsors or there's, you know, there's no listeners. So you might as well just go for it, give it a go and figure it out along the way. And I think that's what you've shared with us throughout your journey. And that's been an awesome message to. Keep going with as well.
1: Oh, I'm so glad because I really truly believe that I used to be so controlled by I would take risks, but I would take risks if I knew they were going to be successful. Like I would mm. put myself out there, but within the confines of a corporation, which, like, you apply for a promotion, I mean, you. Don't apply until you know you're probably going to get it. And I thought that was really risky. But I realized (laughs) stepping out into the business world where everything is a risk and most of the time you're going to get a no, that the most powerful thing you can learn is to get over the fear of looking stupid. And I think lots of us think that we're scared of failing. We're actually Mm -hmm. not that scared of failing because if we could fail without anyone ever finding out... We probably wouldn't care. It's actually more what we look like in that failure that we worry about. So if you can just be okay with looking silly and you realise that in most situations the worst-case scenario is that you'll look a bit silly for five
0: minutes and then everyone will get over it and they'll forget about it, you realise that? People are so preoccupied with their own lives. They're not really they're not watching they're not really yeah no one cares
1: and even if they do they get over it like something bigger happens five minutes later Mm -hmm. so I think if you can if you can get it straight in your mind that really most of the time what you're scared about is looking silly and looking silly I look silly anyway so it's not that bad
0: then you can do anything because you realize, oh, who cares? Everyone looks stupid. Like, and they'll get over it anyway. It's not the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And so you've had some seriously amazing guests on CZA. So how does that come about? Are you just um, besties with Guy Sebastian and, you know, they come on the podcast or, you know, how, how have you got such amazing people to come on your podcast? And it's just, been amazing to hear their stories and obviously it adds to the message of what your podcast is about. But I mean, I personally can't go knock on, you know, these people's doors and, and they'll join on my podcast tomorrow. So I'd love to for you to share, you know, how does that come about? Because I'm sure it's probably not as straightforward and, and as easy as it probably looks.
1: Yeah, I think it is and it isn't. So mm-hmm interesting that the first thing you said was that you can't go and knock on their doors because I actually think my best advice would be is that you can because (laughs) I always say and my mum always taught me that if you don't ask it's a no it's a Mm. hundred percent chance of a no if you ask at least there's a vague possibility that you might get a yes and it might be you might have to wait a really long time you might have to pitch back and forth for a long time but a lot of the really, really big guests who have come on have been in the works for a really long time. Mm. So you're right in that it's not as straightforward as it seems, but sometimes it is. Sometimes you just word an email in a really beautiful way. You hit something that they're going through at that time. Sometimes I think it pays to really research the guest before because they get a lot of anonymous copy paste emails. Sometimes Mm. you just hit their inbox at a time where they're like, I'm an ISO, I've got nothing else to do. (laughs) let's do it a lot is timing and if you didn't just put yourself out there they they can't say yes to you so always ask um but the other thing is I I think a lot of people um I've had a couple of people say oh my god you're so lucky you know all these people and I didn't I literally left law with no contacts Mm -hmm. at all all my contacts were corporate none of them knew anyone famous at all. And that was only five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think slowly, slowly, I've definitely made a lot of incredible friends who have turned out to have really big profiles, but a lot of them have been over the whole five years. So the first guest that I had, um, Rachel Finch, Lisa Messenger, Christina Carlson, and Janine Alice, I'd been working on those relationships for four years. Mm-hmm. We'd been at, speaking at different events and I also think it's like a networking event in a corporate setting. Speaking events or networking events in at the business world, you get what you put in. So if you go and you sit in the corner and you don't exchange business cards and you feel really awkward, which they all feel awkward, so just get over the fact that they're awkward (laughs) because they always are going to be, and you leave without anything, then that's kind of on you. Because you have the choice to go there, break the circle. It's really awkward. It feels so uncomfortable. But you'll probably make friends over the laughing about how awkward it is. Like just (laughs) walk up to someone and be like, hey, I'm fangirling. Like it's really awkward. But literally the first time I met Lisa and Rachel, who are both really good friends of mine now, was because I was like, I'm a hysterical fangirl. I'm like, I love you so much. Ah!" (laughs) And then the next time I met them, not just sitting in the background waiting in the queue to talk to them Mm. reading their books
0: being really attentive gentle but persistent and attentive and i think that's the that's the thing you have to kind of give as well whether that's just giving as a friendly personality but you can't just go in there i guess and just say hey do you want to do you want to be on my podcast today you know you can't just ask straight up i mean you could but you've got to give, yeah, I feel like you've got to give back something first before you can. And
1: make yourself known. So make Mm -hmm. yourself like distinguished from everyone else who just kind of wants something from them straight away. Mm. I think um, because I'd spent sort of like 20 different events being really gentle but not missing the chance to interact with them then it became slowly slowly a friendship because i'd be like remember that last time when we were at blah blah and you you build memories together and you have touch points of relationship that then they come on the podcast they have a really good experience that gives it some validity and then i find that like getting a warmer lead as an introduction to someone, just consistently work on building your networks through the networks that you already have and be willing to share your own back as well because introducing people to other people means that they'll do the same for you. And most of my connections have come through someone else, mm. like through someone else's connection. And I'll yeah. just say, look, um, you know, I would love, if you would mind, I would love to get this person on the podcast, would you, you had a great experience, would you mind hooking me up? And those kinds of things, people are really, really happy to share their networks when they trust that you won't abuse it. Mm-hmm. So I think um, sharing your own, asking, being more open to asking, being okay if you get a no, just moving, you know, changing the plan, asking someone else, play the slow game mm-hmm. and be gently persistent. And I think from zero to five years, I've I've ended up meeting people I never in my wildest dreams would think I would have had a chance to talk to. But I think. Because you don't automatically self select yourself out of it, I've never automatically gone, I can never get that person. Mm. I mean, there are definitely people I think that about. But if there's like six degrees of separation, I've always thought, Maybe one day I'll get there. Maybe yeah. one day I will have like you know, met this person who could meet me get introduced mm-hmm. me to this person and um being really patient because sometimes mm-hmm. Um, I've waited a year until they've released a book and then they've been like oh now I need press so can we do it you know you've got I think play the long game.
0: Well just on that topic now you are releasing your book which is amazing I've already pre-ordered it um, and I can't wait to get it so yeah so you've gone from Instagram to speaking gigs, to podcasts, to so many more projects off the back of those. We probably don't have to go into all of them today, but now you're writing or you've written a book, which I am so excited to come out. Um, but yeah, just give us a quick rundown of what that's all about before we finish up. Again, one of those things where I can't even remember if I've said it already in
1: this interview. I'm actually losing my marbles in isolation. But <laughs> I always say you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. And every step that's come since stepping into Maiden has been one that I just never, ever thought would happen. But I think sometimes not having, a, not having too rigid a plan allows really wonderful unexpected plans to arrive on your doorstep. So I'd always, always, always wanted to write a book because I I love writing. I think the part of law that I did really like was writing. I did a really long thesis voluntarily, like I'm an oh, idiot, but, <laughs> but I love writing. Um, and I just never knew what I'd write about. You know, I just thought maybe one day when I'm 50, I'll have something to actually say. <laughs> and um, And then you know, the the whole idea of personal branding, it does take a really long time for you to figure out what you actually represent and what you care Mm -hmm. about. And it took me probably, um, I think I registered CZA as a term because I I discovered the pun. I just woke up one day and I was like, this is my philosophy. Two years before I started the podcast. So I just knew something was brewing, but I still didn't know what it looked like. And then even after I started the podcast, I was like, I'm onto something, but I haven't quite developed this idea fully and what it means. And even throughout Matra, I'm like, I represent something, but it's still not really clear to me what it is. And just as I started to really come into this philosophy of like, I know the principles about it. I know what I'm trying to say. I know how I want to say it. I know who I want to help me say it. Uh, We had just gotten married. So end of last year and Murdoch, Jen had actually been chatting to Murdoch about it and I didn't know. She'd been working on it right ah, in the background. Amazing. And that's and what I, she's
0: there for. Obviously. And that's what she's
1: there for, yeah. I would never have pitched myself because you just wouldn't, but she did, and they they said we wanted we want a book deal, we want the C A concept to be a book. But for it to come out for Christmas this year. My manuscript was due on the 8th of January. So I signed at like the end of November and then I had like two months to write the entire thing, which was oh um, <laughs> interesting. But I like a deadline. I, mm. I, if, if you'd given me the whole year, I would have taken the whole year. But I actually yeah. liked being made to just put down every thought I have ever had, every revelation, every lesson, every doubt, every panic attack, like every single part of the last five years of developing this philosophy of realizing how to break the autopilot circuit, get off the productivity hamster wheel, find your joy and then seize it. It's all just word vomited into a book. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing! It goes through like the 12 chapters that I think you can address sort of building on each other that will help you move your life from season the day to season the yay. So the self-doubt is the first one, which is, you know, a big topic for me. Comparison mm-hmm. is one. Building the right village is another. Health and wellness is one. Like it's all the different areas that I think um, we need to address to sort of refine our lives to a more yay focus. Journey, bringing in parts of my story, but parts of lots of different people's stories from lots of different walks of life. To just reiterate, everyone finds it in a different way. As long as you're trying or aware of not just coasting um mm. you can make choices
0: towards your joy amazing i cannot wait to read it it is so exciting i'm going to be waiting at the post till <laughs> it arrives <laughs> which i think is still over a month away <laughs> but yeah. oh, i was so excited but no it's just been amazing having your hearing your journey in more detail i mean there's p- plenty of people that have probably listened to your podcast as regularly as i do and watch everything but you know, I, I just wonder the biggest things. I don't know if everyone (laughs) thinks about everything as detailed as I do, but you know, I've always wondered, you know, how, how did that journey come about, you know, because you start a business and then you've got this profile and and what happened in between. So thank you so much for being so open as always about everything. And I think everyone has probably gotten a lot out of this. I have seen lots of comments coming through, um, and everyone loving this chat. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for asking me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been a pleasure and a, an absolute pleasure to get to know you too and watch each other's journeys yeah. over the years. It's been fun. I mean, not as fun as our ball pit um, play last time, but... <laughs> Definitely not as fun as our ball pit play. That was a highlight of my career. We will have to, like, get a ball pit and do it in person next time. <laughs> Jump on live again. Just before you go, that was amazing. Just before you go... I want to know, this is a question that you always ask your podcast guests right at the end. What is your favorite quote? Because I feel like this one is probably either the hardest or the easiest question to ask you. (laughs) It is both the hardest and the easiest. So it's the
1: easiest because my overarching life quote, that is my favorite of all, is um, the same always, which is by Maya Angelou. And the quote is People will never remember what you said or what you did, they will always remember how you made them feel. And I love that because I, I often agonize over the right wording or the right Mm. color or the details of stuff that ultimately that reminds me people won't remember. They walk away with the feeling they have from interacting with you and that's your legacy. It's the feeling. So that reminds me just to get my head out of the, the intense details and just go for the, the vibe. But my current favorite which is harder because there's a flavor of the day sort of every day my current favorite for this crazy uncertain mess that is 2020 is um i think a lot of us are putting pressure on ourselves to feel happier or more grateful or less sad or you know there's just pressure to have certain feelings mm. and the one that's really helped me which i've actually written down and put up on my wall is um telling people they can't be sad because others others have it worse is like telling people they can't be happy because others have it better, mm. and we would never tell someone you can't be joyful because you're not you don't have as much money or as much you know freedom as that person. We would never say that, so it's crazy that then we say like you've got a roof over your head you don't haven't mm. lost your job like you can't be sad or uncertain. I think we're all reacting in our own way to something no one has ever seen before, so to have patience with yourself but also Patience with other people who don't react the same way you do is what will get us through.
0: Oh, my gosh. So, so many amazing nuggets and (laughs) so many, (laughs) so many amazing pieces of information that you've shared with us all today. Um, Yeah, I can't thank you enough. And I can't thank you for sharing that with not only me, but everyone tuning in as well. I think so much. And I hope everyone is feeling extra positive after this chat as well. So yeah, thank you again, Sarah, for joining me. And I hope to see you soon when you get out um, out of isolation. Oh, come visit
1: (laughs) straight to the sunshine.
0: (laughs) Yes. When we open our borders, (laughs) when we're letting people in. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have an amazing day, whatever you have planned. Oh my gosh, what a fun and inspiring chat. Sarah is just incredible and I hope you all love that chat as much as I did. Please screenshot and share to your social media because that's what keeps this podcast going. And don't forget to tag me at jess.williamson8 and Sarah at Spoonful of Sarah. And I hope to hear what you guys think. Feel free to DM me. And don't forget to subscribe as well. So keep an ear out for next episode and stay tuned for more goodness to come and so many more inspiring interviews as well.